Well, hey, and welcome to another episode of Becoming Better. I'm your host, Brendan Krismer, and we're so glad you're here. Well, hey, on this episode, Jason, Josh, and I sit down and we discuss the common misconception that the people that have the most are the most generous, what it means to chase after the goal of sacrificial giving, and how debt plays into our ability to get there. As always, if you ever have any questions or comments from Sunday's message, do me a favor and join us at quadcity.church slash podcast, where you can submit your question to be answered right here on the show. Well, without further ado, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey guys, good morning. Happy Tuesday. I was to say, don't say happy Monday. You no. thought about it. No. It's yeah, Tuesday. Labor Day. It Labor Day yesterday. Labor Day is nice. It is. My brain's kind of foggy, though. We were kind of talking about that before we jumped in. Like, it feels like I'm tired. Oh, nice. Tired from Labor Day? Tired from not working. Yeah. <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah. Yeah, I was up early this morning, uh, and I'm feeling pretty good. I just like, yeah, I'm not foggy. I'm actually, my brain feels pretty clear. It just feels empty. If you've ever had that feeling where it's like, yeah, you're all the time you're firing on all cylinders, but there's just not much going on up there. It's my life. Yeah. Hmm. Right. I did finally think of something in the shower this morning that I've been trying to remember for six months. It finally came to me. And yeah. I was like, oh, there it is. And that was all of your mental energy. <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> <Napolitan> <laughs> Neapolitan ice cream. I'm done what, for what the was day. It? it was so we so it's really random. So we used this educational software. When I was running an after-school program in Louisiana, and I could not, I'm serious, man. I've been Googling what the name of this thing was for months, Mm -hmm. and I could not find it anymore. And I was mad because, like, I did it for, like, four years every day with these kids, and I couldn't remember. I don't know why. And I was literally just, I was in the shower, and I was thinking about, what was I thinking about? I don't remember what I was thinking about. I was thinking about Louisiana for some random reason. And I went, oh, yeah, Moby Max. That's what it was called. Sweet. M- Moby Max? Moby Max. That was, it was like an oh. educational software system. It's probably not even around anymore, obviously, because I couldn't even find it when I Googled it. Wasn't, oh, that's funny. Wasn't somebody you could text? I probably could have, but then I was like, that feels dumb that I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to ask. That. I should know that. I found it. I'm the one who brought it into our whole, and I was like, this is dumb. Why do I not remember this? So my brain, that's why today I used all the mental capacity I could before 6 a.m. Nice. So That's really funny. Well, hey, we uh, figured we'd start here. You kind of put everyone on blast, Jason, at the beginning of your sermon by telling us all how we're really bad at committing to things. <laughs> we do have a tendency to to commit things and get excited about it in the moment, and then the commitment wanes. That's just, yeah. that's human nature. I think it's true. All right. So let's talk about something we've committed to at some point in the last couple of years that uh, that we didn't see to the end. It maybe maybe it's a Right, New Year's resolution or some sort of goal, diet plan, thing you want to do better to be better. What? Give it, give it to me. 
I can give you two. All right. One of them is there for a while I was doing better at not drinking as much Coke. Yeah. And I was drinking more water. And that's gone out the window. So I lasted a few months. Nice. And then it just kind of went away. And so that's that's one. I was like, ah, I should probably do that. And it was good for a while. And then it kind of fizzled. All right. What's the second one? Well, the other one's a little more personal, but it's uh, doing a better job of praying with my wife on a regular basis. So, you know, at night, just praying together. You know, you get into these habits where she goes to bed or I go to bed or we don't go, you know, at the same time. And and this is something that our discipleship group has talked about. Hey, look, we need to be doing this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to be doing this. And do it for a little while. And then, again, it's just like, uh, habits. You just get out of the habit. So let me tell you what I did for this. So the great thing that I, and we've kept it probably for three years now. Um, uh, so we were in a marriage thing with some other couples and this one couple mentioned the wife. She said, yeah, every Monday, um, and the husband and wife, they said every Monday we text one another and go, Hey, how can I pray for you this week? Um, and so Monday morning, that's the first thing they do as they're going into the week, just to know what's mm-hmm. going on, right? And it was really interesting. So we started doing it. And I set a reminder as a task in my phone. I know that sounds terrible, but it was like I, I needed to make it important on my calendar. Yeah. So we started doing it. And it was when we were going to move here. We were trying to figure out house stuff. All these big decisions. But like we have been literally talking through them and praying through them for months because that was what was on both of our hearts in yeah. different ways. And then stuff with work and her work, all the stuff. So when we finally got into those decisions, it was like we are, it was so much easier to have a conversation about them. Mm-hmm. And too, like, so now it's like it, it's an insight into like her week or my week, if it's super crazy or what's going on with her discipleship group or mine, whatever. So, that was, you know, what we did. So um, I remembered I didn't do that yesterday because we were together. So literally, I just picked my phone up to text my wife to go, hey, how can I pray for you this week? So it's a great now, reminder. Great now, reminder. It's on a Tuesday. Does she listen to the podcast? Uh, I I think she does. She used to. She did for Romans. I don't know if she's doing it. I don't know if she's doing it for Excel. So that would be the second one. So yeah, it was a commitment. Yeah, we do it and you start off well. And then again, you just, life happens and it kind of slips and it's not that it's not less important. It's not that I don't care any less. It's just you, you just the uh, intensity in the moment kind of wanes. So yeah. that's one that I got to keep coming back to. Nice. I'm uh, uh, <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. Josh. No, go ahead. No, I, I was just saying I'm more of a uh, under promise over deliver sort of guy. So I just never really make commitments and I just try to do better. And sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. But when I don't, I don't feel that guilty about it. <laughs> so, but commitments are a good thing. They, they can they, be. They, yeah, they they make us, they are an opportunity for accountability. If you never for say sure. the thing out loud, there's never any accountability. For sure. Yeah. We, uh, we got the Core 52 for family. Mm-hmm. So we uh, Core 52 is a great resource if you are just looking for some real practical 
tools as an adult. There's a whole 52 weeks study 52 topics. But anyways, they have one for family. So it's like, we're going to do that this year. Uh, me and Corey and Amy all were like, yeah, let's grab it. Because we wanted to see if we wanted to use it as a resource for families in our church. I think we made it to like week five, man. And we tried so <laughs> I, Like, we were really, like, we were on it. And then, like, school got back in and life and base, all the things. And I'm like, and I keep having this nagging, like, Josh, you need to start doing it again, man. Come on. Like, you got to do this with your kiddos. Like, we talk about faith. We talk about stuff. But it was like, a no, we're going to commit to doing this every it's gonna be a family a priority family, yeah and so like the other day i was thinking about this on one of my walks in the morning going oh i need to do that again it's september and that was <laughs> january like definitely didn't make it the 90 days or whatever normally you do so that's the one that i for yeah. sure just just in 2023 that's that's there the one that that's the one you're, you're yeah you're you're yep. making the premise there you go. Little, true. Little it, confession. Boom. It's, it's true. It just happens. Yeah. There was, well, I guess, right. So not really, it wasn't like a verbalized commitment, but uh, we've talked a bit and I've probably mentioned this a bunch of times on here, but uh, Porter is really like, has a really great memory. So we want to, we've for a long time, for the last couple of years, tried to make use of his naturally really great memory. Um, we'll do like uh, uh, memory verses pretty regularly with him. Like he's got a bunch memorized and, um, Usually, if we can, even some of the old ones, if we can get him going on one, like he'll pick it up still, even if it's been a, a while. So, Courtney, and this really came from her, it wasn't wasn't a me thing, but she was like, "Hey, I think we can do more than just a verse or two verses or whatever." So, he's been, uh, he's been trying to memorize Psalm twenty three, which is pretty short. It's like six or seven verses, like it's a pretty short psalm. And uh, he's been doing really, really great. But in the midst of it, I was like, oh, I should probably be doing this with him. <laughs> like, I, sh- I probably I probably need to do this also since I'm the one like there at bedtime. We're doing it together. Yep. It's like, I should probably start memorizing these as well. So I haven't failed on that commitment quite yet, but I'm sure it's coming yeah. at some point. Like, we're, we're working through Psalm 23. We'll see what's next. Uh, and we'll see how it goes. I'll report back in six months. Okay, deal. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, let's jump into a message from Sunday. We were in week three uh, of our series uh, that we're calling Excel in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 this week. Uh, We were in verses, what, 11 through, or sorry, 10 through 14 or 15, Jason, is that right? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us, uh, as you guys were listening to the message, what were some of the kind of key takeaways that stuck out to you? For me, the you know, obviously the big line was generosity is not measured uh, by what you give, right? It's measured by what you have left, yeah. right? That's yeah. a big, a big thought in this one. It's measured by means um, or not by means. Wait, hold on. Let's see. Yeah, exactly. that's right. Not by amounts, but by, by means. Yeah, not by amounts, but by means. Um, I just love that story of Jesus and the I always want to say she's a little old widow, but she's not. The text doesn't say that. Yeah. It just it says, does say she's a widow. But not little old. I no. imagine she's short, right. kind of hunched over. Yeah. Life has been really hard to her. Um, yeah. That's my picture. So I don't know if I shared this story on the podcast. but I Well, it can you, be great if she only has two leptas. Like, that's Yeah. It. That's like her it. life is not awesome. So th- this story always makes me think back to our time in Louisiana. So our church literally was was this. So we took offering. I always remember people would ask me, are you taking an offering at your church? And I'm mostly a church homeless or really low income. And yep. I was like, yes, absolutely. 
Like, and we gave to support missionaries. It was some of the coolest stuff ever. But, but um, so we had a lady who would take our offerings each week. And our offerings were usually coins, pennies, yeah. nickels, dimes, stuff that was picked up. Occasionally, we had dollars, right? Uh, people would make change in the offering plate. That was my favorite. They're like, <laughs> I got a 20. I'm going to leave. I'm going to grab like eight bucks and leave 12. Awesome, yeah. man. That's awesome. Or like, hey, I got a 10. I'm going right. to take a couple of these ones and leave a five. Uh, it's awesome. You know, anyway, so uh, a lot of times, again, mostly coins in a bag. We just put them in a Ziploc bag. We didn't have a fancy bank bag. This is not nearly as sophisticated as you may believe. But one day, our lady who was taking our stuff to the bank, the bank teller asked her, hey, why do you have all these coins all the time? And she said, hey, you know the story in the Bible of the widow who brings her two coins and leaves it all at the altar or in the offering box? That's what my church is. That's every week what we see. These are their coins. Hmm. And she drops them on the thing. And like, so I can never not hear that story and think about what God allowed me to see the faith of people just generously giving to the church, right? And again, if you count the amount, dude, it wasn't huge, yeah. right? You know, we're talking $8, you know, like yeah. nothing. But but that she, and she was military, so really like hardcore. Like I love her just thinking about it. But that's what she went to. So that's when people would ask me, describe your church. I go, that was it. They were the widow who just believed that God said to give, and they joyfully gave. So that's what I thought about when I heard your sermon on Sunday. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. We wrestled around that idea a little bit on when we were chatting on Wednesday, I think, too. Um, right, of, you know, there's this balance. What an incredible story of faith to still be willing to give up out of the little that you have. Uh, but one of the things I love about this principle, right, that it's uh, it's not about the amount, but about the means. And the thing that I love about it is even if you do have a lot, like even if you've been blessed with a, a great, successful life financially, like you can still chase that same experience. Like you can chase the experience of giving sacrificially just as the widow gave. Yes sacrificially. Um, so I just love how that story can kind of contextualize itself to all of us. Like what, what is that line for us where we are genuinely feeling the impact, which I think is what you were trying to get to, right? Is feeling the impact of giving away and that really being the core of generosity and a generous heart. Yeah. So for me, it was, you know, just coming back to the, um, question of, has your generosity grown with your means? Like, again, it's so easy to give when you don't have much. Like, $1 out of 10, everybody would give that. That's not a problem. But to give a million out of 10 million. Yeah. Like, that's... All of a sudden, that that number becomes so big. It's just like, that's just too much to give. And so, just recognizing, even in my own life, how easy it is to give more and sacrifice less that my generosity actually hasn't grown with my means. Um, yeah, yeah that, that's the thing for me that's convicting and challenging yeah. and well, we've the all, way for me to keep growing in. Yeah, we've all heard it, right? We will, man, we'll just give that much. We'll be able to give so much more when we have so much more. Right. Like a couple of years from now when I yeah. get the promotion, yep. or I get the raise, oh man, then we can be generous. Yeah. 
And to your point on Sunday, like the data just shows the opposite. Like yeah. that's just not true, lar- generally speaking. And right. maybe there's some. Oh, for sure, there's there. outliers, and you can probably find some <clears throat> studies that show that. But there's an overwhelming yeah. amount of data that shows that uh, that the richer you are, the more that you have, the less that you give by percentage. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I know we didn't have a ton of time to dig into that data, but uh, tell us a little bit about some of the things as you were studying this that stood out to you. Yeah. So let me pull up a couple of them here. Um, My computer here. It was interesting. So here's one study that talks about giving by the four major regions of the United States. So think about the four regions are the Northeast, the Midwest, the West, and the South. And which one do you think is the most generous? By percentage of adjusted gross income that is donated to charity, the South, 5.2% of their income is what they give. 5.2. The poorest region in America, which is Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, Georgia, Tennessee, what we think of as the South in the U.S., gives the most, 5.2%. Some of the richest places in America is the Northeast. Think about New York and Boston and Philadelphia. Uh, Martha's Vineyard, right? Northeast is the giveaway, the least percentage at 4.0%. Top states for giving as adjusted gross income, this is no surprise. The number one is Utah. Why Utah, Josh? Utah's number one? Yes. Utah's number one. Really? Yeah. Why? I'm Mormons. Right? That's exactly right. Because yeah. it's not it's not an option. You have to. That's right. And if you're a Mormon, there's a like, high expectation yeah. that you're going to give. And so you receive religious benefit as a result of it, right? Your yes. temple recommend comes from that. That's one of the pieces yeah. of it. Yeah. So they're number one. Number two is Mississippi. That's, what do you know about Mississippi, Josh? That's the poorest nation or poorest state in the nation. That's right. Mississippi. But yet they're number two on the most generous list. Alabama, then Tennessee, the Georgia, South Carolina, Idaho, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and North Carolina. Those are the top 10. Idaho is the only outlier out of the South. Yes. There's yeah. also a big Mormon population in the state of Idaho. Oh, there you go. The least, the bottom 10 states for giving are Hawaii, Wisconsin, North Dakota, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New Jersey, Vermont, Maine, and New Hampshire. So where's, those where's, are the. Where's the Arizona rank? Uh, it just gives me the top 10 and the oh. bottom 10. So I don't have those. I was curious. Probably middle of the room. Middle. We're kind of we're kind of there all over the place. Yeah. But yeah, huh. it just again all the data just points to it um, that we we think that when we get richer we'll give more, but it just does not play out that way. Yeah, um, but then we hear right stories over and over again of people who grew up in generous households and how that's so ingrained in them yes. that they continue that legacy on just because of what they saw hmm. in their childhood. Yeah. Right. So the the inverse is man, if we can start young, if we can get our kids to be generous from a young age and see the impact, right, that their generous generosity can have on those around them, 
um, I just think about, man, what a, what a legacy that is carried on for generations. So one, one that sticks out to me was, uh, is David Carr. So I don't know, it was probably eight or nine years ago when David Carr signed the contract for the largest uh, uh, NFL contract in history. Derek Carr. Derek Carr. Derek Carr. He's his brother. Right? His brother, too, is yeah. a believer from what I yeah. know. Yeah. But Derek Carr was, you know, he signed the largest. It was like $300 million at the time or whatever the number was. It's well above that now. But at the time, it was the largest one. And he was asked, what are you going to do now that you have this money? And the first thing he said was, I'm going to tithe. Like, it, was, it yeah. wasn't even a question. It was just like, this is what we do. It doesn't matter if it's a million or 500 million. This is what we do. And so... I, I thought at that moment, every I'm sure every pastor pulled that clip out and shared that with his <laughs> church. But but that's the outlier yeah. uh, in this scenario. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, again, I just, man, what a cool thing to prioritize. Like when your kids are young, just to, to get them into the habit of doing the thing um, because of the legacy you could have yep. on the people around them and on their family, future family. So. And you're, you're right, too, though, the point we think we think, oh, of course, it'll just keep going with as I give, it'll, or as I grow in my means, yeah, my amount of sacrificial giving will continue to be the same. Right. And you're like, we life. convince ourselves. We do. We have yeah. really convinced ourselves. Yeah. But it's but just, it comes down to those habits that you create. And where Jesus talks about, he who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. Yeah. If we're giving when we have little, and our hearts desiring to be sacrificial, that will continue as we have much. Um, yeah. It is a habit. Generosity is a muscle that we have to create. And that's yeah. why, you know, I always, when I do premarital, I just tell couples, start early when you don't have anything. It's much easier. Yeah. Um, right. And I didn't even know the science behind it, but I'm just like, all I know is in our life, it was a lot easier when Diana and I had nothing. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then the expenses of kids and life and payments, you know, complex. It's, yeah. It's just more messy. Yeah. Right. But we have it ingrained in us now for 13 years of, no, this is what you do. Yep. And she grew up in a house of, no, that's what you do. Yeah. So for her, it was, it's like automatic. Like yep. it's not even a, you don't even question it. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. no, you, you, I'm the one who's always like, oh, <laughs> cause I didn't grow up that way. Right. So yeah. if you don't grow up that way, you still, I tell yeah. you all the time, like, I'd have to have people tell me like, oh yeah, you should do this, Josh. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's worth it. And it so is for sure. But yes, yeah, so it was great marrying someone who came from a household yeah. who was super faithful and her parents were always giving to the church. Um, you know, it's a really hard thing in a marriage, you know, if you're yeah. if you're on opposite sides of that spectrum, it can cause mm-hmm. I'm sure some tension. Yeah, absolutely. There was also another line, Jason, that you had in here around this idea of generosity around, right? There's some people that really, really have a desire to be generous, Mm. but they may not be in a position uh, based on means or especially based on some past decisions, prior life decisions. For sure. Specifically consumer debt and this idea of, man, debt is such a, has such such a stronghold on our culture in many ways. Um, So let's talk a little bit, not only about, right, financial peace, which we'll be offering uh, when is that again, Josh? It starts October 1st at both campuses, too. Yep. Here, Prescott, Prescott Valley, during the 930 service. Um, so you can sign up uh, through the app or 
Uh, you can go to the groups page. It's under support groups. You yeah. can call the office. We'll we'll get we'll you. We'll out. get you signed up if you really yeah. want to do that. We can help. Just a great, really uh, tangible process to try to take back control of some of your financial choices and lifestyles. So yeah, uh, really, I mean. Courtney and I went through it years and years and years ago, and we really have appreciated some of the core principles. But there was a question that came in, um, Jason, to this point, and here's the question. It says this, uh, why would the church mention not being in debt, yet they themselves are in a position of debt as we move into this campaign? So let's talk a little bit about maybe some of the, the similarities and differences of some of the organizational debt we've accrued yeah. versus maybe some of the consumer debt we were kind of talking specifically about. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's so great. Um, when you think about debt, there are two types of debt. Um, there is the kind of debt that is consumer debt or credit card debt, and those debts are liabilities. So when you think about you have any kind of any kind of financial reporting, you have assets and you have liabilities. Um, when you're thinking about a credit card debt, that isn't that's a liability. It goes against you. It doesn't help you. Um, but almost all of us have to have a home and we have to take out debt to buy a home, but that home is not a liability. That home is an asset. Again, many of us have garnered wealth from generations of homes. Like that gets passed down. Uh, many of us have our net worth is wrapped up in our home and that is an asset. It's accruing uh, margin for us. It is not removing margin from us. Um, and the same goes for our church. Like we have to have a home. We got to have a family and we got to have a place to live. We got to have a place to meet. Um, but again, that, that, uh, that home, that property, that campus is an asset. It's not a liability. Uh, the asset is accruing value it, it is actually worth more than the debt that is on it. And so that's what we've seen here. And it would be great if we as a church could pay cash straight up across the board. And again, as we've said from the beginning, if everybody in the church would just tithe on their income, we would. There would, there, there would be no question that we would have zero debt and we'd be leveraging all of those resources for kingdom advancement and not leveraging it uh, to pay debt. Um, but that's just not the reality that we're in right now. And so uh, I think about, I think back to 2013 when we were in the other, what's now the student building, and we had uh, five, six hundred people, 700 people that were a part of our church, and we were kind of hitting the lid of how many people could get connected to our church. And if we, at that time, I don't know who sent in this question, but my guess is if we as a church at that time would have said, we're going to wait until we can pay cash, that person who asked that question would not have been a part of Quad City Christian Church. Yeah. Like it was the willingness to take on a a a debt load that was wise, less than 20% of our income that allowed us to open up this facility that has allowed us to more than double in size and reach 
more than double the amount of people. I look at this baptism wall back here and say, whatever debt that we leveraged at that time was well worth it. And so, again, we have to begin to think about the difference between liability and assets. It's There's a difference between what you're doing for a house and what you're doing for a vacation. Yeah. Um, and so, again, but this wouldn't even be an issue if all of us were just regularly giving. And I don't, and I, so some of the question was worded um, that the church has told us to not take on debt. I don't know if we've ever specifically come out and said that specifically. No, now, I no, think no. We've There's taught, just, I think we've taught against like the negativity of consumer debt, obviously, right. like this, but sure. nowhere have you ever stood up and goes, don't you be buying houses or right. anything like that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I get it, right? You know, there's the tension always around yeah. like, oh, well, they're telling us to be better with finances. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole process that even goes into that yeah. of like how much debt, right? That's right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. So there's two big points, right? Opportunity cost. Yes. There is a, there is a cost of opportunity if we do not move in the direction of permanency in Prescott Valley yep. in the next couple of years. Yep. Like there is a significant opportunity out there already, which is why we already have a church out there and it's thriving and doing great, great ministry in PV. Um, but there is this cost that we've seen such a benefit here to what we've done over the last uh, 7, 10, 12 years. Yeah. And that's what we want to try to replicate in Prescott Valley. So that's one big component of like, man, we just can't wait. <laughs> we feel like it's irresponsible to just keep waiting. Um, that just doesn't feel like a responsible decision. Uh, the other piece to Josh's point is like the responsible debt of... And twenty staying under a twenty percent debt to debt to income ratio organization wide between both locations and just making sure we're we're fiscally responsive there allows us to simultaneously be in debt and more generous than we've ever been. Yeah, and that's the piece that we were talking against in the message this week is like, man, if your consumer debt or if you overbuy on a house, if you buy too much house for your yeah for your budget, right? That's also a thing that can restrict you from being generous in the future. And that's not something we're willing to do. In fact, as we move into this season, it will be the most generous financially our church has ever been. So it's just this, it's a really delicate balance because when you say it, oh, how do you talk against debt and have debt? It's like, yeah, okay, I can see why you might think that. But accruing debt in a way that moves the mission forward and is still fiscally responsible enough for us to be more generous than we've ever been is really what we're trying to do through yep. this, this process. Um, and I want to make sure, yeah, we, we can have that conversation all day long. I want that to be super, super clear. So yep. that's good. Really good. Okay. Let's move on to a couple other questions that came in here. Um, from Sunday's message one, I got this great question. Someone came up to me, uh, Sandra at pastor's point and asked this, uh, if we're giving to the church, but also other nonprofit organizations, how do we know we are giving the right amount to the right place? Well, I don't, again, there, there's not a quote unquote right amount. I don't believe there's a right amount. I think, uh, there's some pastors who would harp on a very specific, I don't, I don't think that's for me. I don't see it that way. Um, what I will say is I think there is no better investment than in the local church. Like that, that God's answer to the world is the local church. My wife and I, we have three organizations outside of our church that we contribute to on a regular basis uh, through our charitable giving. 
But all of that is secondary to what we give to and through our church. Like the church is the only thing that's going to make it to the other side. Like this is the thing that God, the tool that God has used, has said he's going to use to transform the world. Like it is the church. We want to put the church first in our finances and first in our giving. Um, We should be giving to other things and other people. Uh, We ought to be working out that habit of of being generous in all sorts of occasions. Um, but man, it is a far second for us as as opposed to what the church does. Because again, the church, so many of these, so many organizations that we that that are out there are great organizations. And they're they're trying to address problems, whether it's uh, foster care, whether it's homeless populations, whether it's uh, um, drug addictions. Like there's so many great organizations that are doing great things to help people who are hurting. The one thing that the church does is if we got, if, if the church got it right, if we could leverage what God has given us and fulfill the mission he has given us, we had actually put all of those other organizations out of business. Like we would actually, there wouldn't be a homeless issue if we got the church onto the, into the place where, where we actually take seriously the command to look after people who are hurting, to look after orphans and widows, to share the hope of the gospel with people who are trying to fulfill a void in their life through alcohol or drugs. Like if the church was on mission and was fulfilling what God has called them to, we'd actually put all of the rest of these organizations out of business because we're on the front end, not the back end. Like we're trying, we're trying to save marriages that actually keep um, families together that would then not allow a, a single mom to end up homeless and selling herself in some way to try to make ends meet. Like, if we get this stuff right on the front end, it actually prevents all of those problems on the back end. So I'm just so passionate about the church. Like there's no other organization that has such an impact in so many different areas as the church does. So I'm obviously I'm really biased, but you should be generous to other organizations. We are generous, um, but there's no better investment than the kingdom. I had a mentor once tell me, he said, you know, the money in my right pocket is for the church. Um, and he said, nobody can get to that. That's that's locked off. And it's a, it's the set amount, you know, and he was, you know, like at least 10%, yep. right? I think it's the floor. But he was like, and nothing touches that. He goes, but I do have other money in my left pocket. And that can go to all kinds of things. Yep. He goes, but this over here is reserved and it's for the church because that's what's the same way. That's what's going to change the world, yep. right? Yeah. So I, I always think of it that way of like, I'm not dipping into my local church giving to give to big brothers, big sisters, yeah. right? If I want to be generous there, then I'm going to need to really be generous because this over here to the church is a non-negotiable. Yeah. Like this is what we're doing um, and nobody can touch it. But these other, you can ask. Yeah. And I may, I just may not have it to, at that time, but I want to live in a way that I do, right? Yep. That if people do ask, I can go, yeah, I could give to that. Yeah, let me, I'd love to do that. Let's see what that looks like. But the church is, that's untouchable, yeah. so to speak. That's so good. Last question here. It's not necessarily about Sunday's message, but it does tie into the series at large. So I want to definitely spend some time on it. 
Um, here's uh, what it says. Second Corinthians 8, 7 says, Since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we've kindled in you, see to it that you also excel in this grace of giving. This is like the core verse for this series. So here's the question. Since we have heard this series is not all about giving uh, the giving of money, but but the heart issue, please address some ways that uh, we might excel in faith, knowledge, speech, earnestness, and love. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and the way I would address that is to say, we spend as a church 98% of our time addressing what it means to grow in our faith and knowledge and earnestness and love. When we went through the book of Romans, we spent all of our time addressing what it looks like to grow in our faith. Like that's what we do. Um, We're going to do a series on the Holy Spirit starting in a few weeks, and it's going to be all about, hey, growing in our knowledge. What does it look like? How do we understand the Holy Spirit and his work in our life? Like we're going to do that. So, uh so there, I would just push back a little bit and say that, that because we're spending six weeks to address this one, growing in the grace of giving, um, I don't think we need to spend equal amounts during this series on all of those other ones alongside the grace of giving because we don't spend equal amount throughout the year talking about growing in the grace of giving. Yeah. Uh, the... The old adage all the church talks about is money. It's just false. That's just a, a straight-up lie. Anybody who perpetrates that is just lying or wholly ignorant. Like, we hardly ever talk about money. We don't preach on it. I don't talk about it a lot unless it just comes up in the text. But we're taking this six weeks to say, hey, this is one area that we need to grow in. This is part of the discipleship journey. We need to grow in it. And we address all of those other ones. What does it look like to grow in love? We address that. What does it look like to grow in earnestness and faith? What is it? We're addressing those 95% of the year. Like that's what the bulk of our teaching is. Um, And we're dedicating this six weeks to address this issue of uh, that Paul says in the same way, in the same way that we're doing all of those all the other times in the same way. We need to address this one because it's part of the discipleship process. Yeah, that's really good. And it's um, funny, right? Because it's almost as if that's the exact sort of sentiment Paul was writing this with because he uses those things as the example, right? Right. You already know, as to say, you already know you want to excel in these things yes. and faith and speech and earnestness and love, right? These are the things that you know by nature being a follower of Jesus causes you to grow in. But then what he's saying is also there's this thing over here that you like to talk a lot less about, like to think a lot less about. Let's, let's start there. Let's talk about that one. And that one, right. Is generosity. So, and uh, it's still there. It's such a thing. It is so crazy. This topic, it's like, nope, mm -mm, we're not, uh, -uh, this is private. Yeah. Like this is private. Like there's like the, we don't want any accountability. We don't want people looking in at it. Like it's weird. But again, I guess not because Paul saw the same thing. Like, oh. And that should tell us something, yeah. right? Like if we start to have that internal tension of, oh, I don't, I don't like this. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this. You're sitting in your discipleship group or your life group and you're not wanting to answer the questions. Man, what is that telling us about the condition of our heart around yeah. this 
around this issue because none of us do that with our speech. <laughs> right. Right. We don't do that with our, our faith. Of course, we want to grow in faith and knowledge and love. Like we don't have that same internal turmoil that we do when we start talking about finances. So that's yeah. why I, I just see so much value in these conversations that we're having. And I just really hope that we would just like humbly lean into that tension we're feeling because it means something, right? We're having attention for a reason. And I think it's a point of growth for a lot of us. So, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's enough for today. Thank you guys. We'll uh, chat again real soon. All right. Well, that is a wrap on another episode of Becoming Better. We're so glad that you joined us for this time today. Well, we're about halfway through our series, the series we're calling Excel. And as a reminder, we would love for you to engage further in this content. I hope you have a copy of the Excel the guidebook that we've given out each Sunday. If you don't, grab one on this upcoming Sunday as there's plenty of content to stay engaged with throughout the course of the week, including a Friday devotional from one of the pastors on our team. Another way you can get engaged is to join us for our Advanced Commitment Night on September 14th at the Finley Toyota Center in Prescott Valley. There aren't many opportunities where our entire church gets to come together in a place of worship and celebration over a vision and a season God's calling us into. So I really do hope that you choose to join us on September 14th for our Advanced Commitment Night. We are providing a kids programming for kids birth through fourth grade, uh, middle school and high school students can join you right there in the auditorium of the Finley Toyota Center. And we would love to see you there. Be sure to register at quadcity.church slash events. Well, thanks again for joining us today. We hope this conversation was fruitful in your walk and obedience to Jesus. And we can't wait to see you again real soon. Thank you.